Welcome to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Leland Steele. Hey, Leland. Hey, welcome, buddy. Welcome back. Yeah. I haven't uh, seen you in, since the last time I recorded, actually. Are you serious? I, yeah, I don't think. That is what, our friendship. I miss Ghost Marty's birthday. That's right. Because I was sick that's as a right. dog. Oh, yes, that what that's true. At the last moment you were. Yeah. Um, it was good. We put flowers on his grave. Um, Very nice. Good. Gave, put in put an open bottle of MGD right by the gravestone <laughs> as well. Uh, not that he'd touch it because he's strong. <laughs> um, I guess our, our uh, personal relationship has just been morphing into a professional relationship. It seems so. It seems so. so and how professional that relationship <laughs> truly is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such comedy. Well, speaking of comedy, we were hoping to have a guest, a pretty cool guest. I'm, I'm going to protect her identity Hopefully she turns up in the new year, but uh, in negotiations about technical stuff, she suddenly disappeared. But I think it's cool that we get to do another uh, condescending controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're um, fucking losing this one, buddy. <laughs> oh, you are I, so losing this one. I, I may, I may. I have an <laughs> alternate agenda that I will speak of. Oh, why I okay. wanted to bring this one up. Wow. Um, but. Uh, yeah, excited about this episode and, of course, about the next episode, which we'll get into a little bit at the end of the show. Um, but let's kick it off with some banter, as we usually do. Sure. And do you have do you have some banter planned? I do. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to go? Yeah, let's start. Let's go back and forth. I got two. I don't know how many you Oh, have, okay. Well, I kind of just have one larger one. one. So, uh, a few episodes ago, we did uh, kind of a YouTube, almost, it was almost like a YouTube retrospective, kind of. We kind of discussed its trials and tribulations the company is going through. Right. Well, more large changes are coming for 2020. Okay. That is most likely going to be very terrible for a lot of content creators. Uh Uh-uh. So, let's hearken way back, all the way to 2014 here, Uh, with the beginning of what obviously wasn't called then but it's called now elsa gate and that of course references the frozen character elsa yes the child the kids uh movie cartoon and also has something to do with youtube kids and how a lot of content on youtube kids which is you know this additional app that youtube created it's this really basically it's a dumbed down version of regular youtube that is supposed to cater to children and house a bunch of children's content because children's content, like some channels will get literally billions of views per video because, you know, the people that create these algorithms and do research on this stuff have found that children predominantly like to watch the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. So they came, they've come under a ton of fire because there are weird or there were currently are i really unsure of the current state but i'm sure it's getting cracked down on um strange strange channels that depict like child children's characters like elsa and spider-man doing clearly stuff that is not suitable (laughs) for children (laughs) like like um like drug use violence sexual situations like wow weird stuff um i found this one of the worst offenders is this channel called webs and tiaras and it show showcased elsa and spider-man and it would have videos titled like frozen elsa gets chicken feet whatever that means or frozen elsa 
tear Spider-Man apart. <laughs> like, <laughs> like really weird stuff. And and is it like sexual or violent well, with Spider-Man? Uh, or if I I saw a comment in this one article where it's like every video, the opener, it's it's as if it's the opening premise of a porno. A porno. Oh, um, there's a video that depicts Elsa giving birth and like one with Spidey, like injecting this weird colored fluid into Elsa. Like, <laughs> that's just it's odd. Weird. It's weird. Um, you know, there's there's some other like another channel I found um, that had this depiction of this cartoon character called Peppa Peppa Pig. I have uh. no I've never seen this before. I have no idea what what it is. But like this imitation of Peppa Pig, like at the dentist getting her teeth pulled out. Like violently and without anesthetic, like, <laughs> like it's fucked up. Uh, or Peppa burning down a very clearly occupied home. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like who even thinks of this? I shit? don't know, man. Crazy stuff. But these channels are getting billions of views. Wow. So earlier this year, YouTube agreed to pay two hundred million dollars to the Federal Trade Commission. Wow. To to basically settle this investigation that. The FTC was was you know um, carrying out against YouTube, fi- trying to figure out whether or not they violated the Children's Online Protection Act, also referred to as as COPPA, which uh, an important act that just prevents websites from collecting data from minors, mm-hmm. or at least giving you know without parental consent, or at least giving those parents uh, control over what di- what types of data is collected from their children's internet uses. So for for creators, videos marked as being child friendly will will now become very basic. There won't be any comment sections um, in the videos themselves. The creators can won't be able to put in any types of personalized like cards, you know, ending intro, ending or in, outro or intro cards, you know, in the videos. Yep. But most importantly, the videos will not contain any targeted ads, mm. which, according to some. YouTube's kind of seems like they're kind of hush hush about how exactly they pay out their creators as far as like through ad revenue. But it's been projected that without these targeted ads, it will cut about 90% of revenue generated off of these types of channels. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's so it's a ton. And And so the problem with that is, though, previously, all of the content uploaded to YouTube was you know funneled through their little algorithm thing that either puts it up on your recommended or, or, or determines it's kid friendly and they are shunting stuff from regular YouTube to YouTube kids depending on what is depicted in that content like for a, the classic example which a lot of people are bringing up are there's a ton uh, a ton of very popular Minecraft let's play videos right and these creators that just because they're playing what is considered to be a child-friendly game right does not mean those creators are child-friendly perfect example uh, i mean pewdiepie is a perfect example pewdiepie is anywhere but child-friendly content right and he routinely brags about his nine-year-old army being his fan base so <laughs> i mean i don't know a lot of people are concerned um so that this goes in effect january 2020 now you have to Anytime you upload any new video, you have to mark it and designate it and like click a box whether or not it is child-friendly or not. And all these creators will have to go back into their old uploads and all those will need to be updated as well. And failure to properly mark your videos 
could result in a fine from the FTC for the creator. Ooh, yeah. so that's that now puts legal onus on the creator yes. to really get their shit right instead of YouTube. Instead of YouTube, which I think is ridiculous, right? Because these creators aren't lawyers; they're not TV show producers exactly. or media producers. So all YouTube is currently doing is shunting the now blame that they're t- the fire they've taken directly right. onto their creators. Yeah, and that that's offensive. Those creators yeah. made YouTube a ton of money, yeah. and the YouTube is now basically saying. We wash her hands of it, you know, like go, go figure it out. And you're now liable, not us. Cause we're not paying another $200 million. Right. Um, yeah, I've heard definitely from some creators, content creators that I watch that they're concerned. A number of the creators that I watch personally, um, their P- Patreons now provide, um, over half their income. Right. Uh, just like our Patreon provides over half our income. Damn right it does. Yep. And <laughs> um, and anyways, uh, so they're they're not super um, uh, afraid about this, but there's a lot of sympathy for other creators, like you mentioned, the Minecraft uh, guys, um, those types of creators that don't have the Patreons that really do require that ad revenue, and now it it could be pulled from underneath their feet. So yeah, it's a, it's a big scandal, and I think we can both agree it was YouTube that dropped the ball in not having... I mean, they've got fucking algorithms for everything. So if you can't figure out that Peppa Pig is, you know, having her teeth pulled in a video with blood and screams everywhere, then you are you obviously have not spent time on an algorithm to right. check videos for right, this right. kind well, of content. So. I did see an article saying that, like, daily YouTube gets, like, hundreds of thousands of seconds worth of video uploaded. It's a lot of shit, right? Granted, but the the real problem is that this has been a this has been a problem this has been a problem for like the better part of six years, right? And YouTube failed to correct to course to properly course correct right. until now. There's this now heavy handed approach because they're on the hook for some cash that they got to deal out, yeah, and they don't like it. Like that's what it is. Like like. YouTube is just a fucking snake eating its own tail. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, absolutely. And I think the problem is, is that an alternative never sprung up to YouTube. This is a problem with having no competition. If there were was one or two other sites that was reasonably popular where people could do these uploads, they would consider moving there. And the competition would, you know, make those sites offer content creators a better deal because they'd want to grow. But there's really nowhere else to go. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an unfortunate story. Um, we'll see where it goes. Certainly, I think we'll be talking about it at some point in the new year when oh, yeah. the dust start, starts Ab- to settle. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know what that actually reminds me of YouTube? So, I've, I, you know, and listener, you know that I've got I've got rid of my YouTube premium. And I just have a weird anecdote. I, don't, I couldn't really find why this is, but the difference between watching YouTube videos on my laptop versus through my PS4 is like insane the 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 significantly more amount of ads i get on my laptop through a browser interesting now I, and i so i did a test i watched the same channel the same videos on both my laptop and the my ps4 specifically uh, the corridor crew um, they have two really good channels. i mean they do make some good content but on my laptop i will get two to three ads throughout their video yes 
I remember that before going for premium. Yeah. On my PS4, I will get two to three videos per one ad. Wow. If not significantly better. Like wow. if I queue up, if I just let it play, right? Just, you know, you let it play through its auto thing. I will get roughly an ad every five episodes. Hmm. Like it's crazy. That is crazy. And it's, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't get, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know why either. I have a guess. Uh, my guess would be is that when someone creates an ad that they may have to pay extra to have it on gaming consoles. Um, rather than TV and laptop, which may be their standard option. So you have less ads going to PS4, but that's just a guess. That is really weird. Um, Certainly as someone, you know, as I just mentioned, I've only ever watched um, YouTube on my TV or laptop, and the ads were killing me. And so that's why I switched to premium. There's been a few times where like, Due to resets and updates and stuff like that, I'm usually auto-signed in to my Google, which is my YouTube premium. And when I've been signed out, it goes back to the dashboard and there's maybe some new suggestions, some new videos that that normally don't appear in my feed. So I'm like, yeah, what the hell? I just click on one of them, even though I'm not signed in. And right away, I hit like three ads and I'm like, okay, fuck this. Yep. And I sign back in a premium. Because it is egregious, but that's very interesting. It's crazy how you go back so okay let me ask you a question is it a hassle for you to watch youtube on your ps4 like no no it isn't compared um, to your laptop no because that because really i because i can um i can cast it from my phone so i control it with my phone right so i'm basically i'm literally i'm still using the the actual youtube app which is much better than what than the the you know ps4 youtube app why there's a significant difference, I'm not sure. But literally, I just have my cell phone, and I, I can make a queue of videos I want to play. Uh, and create okay. a queue, and it'll just autoplay it. Okay. So I, I don't watch YouTube on my laptop anymore, because I can't. <laughs> right, exactly, because of that difference. Yeah, I can't. Wow, that is such a crazy story. It doesn't make any sense. So, so you don't think it's like something Sony has implemented, maybe. But like I couldn't find anybody talking about it. You know, if Sony had implemented something that would reduce YouTube ads, I'm pretty sure they would have used it as like a sales point at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, because YouTube is so big. But yeah, that's weird that they haven't. I don't know what to say to you, man. That is just a weird story. It's very strange. I totally believe you, but my goodness. Well, that's kind of all I had. So my two are a little smaller. Uh, one of them was more question-based for you. One's kind of an anecdote, which is the first one. I saw a segment on Jimmy Kimmel where uh, Tom Holland, I don't know if you heard about this, Tom Holland, Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh, he was so devastated about uh, Spider-Man being cut out of the MCU when it looked like the deal wasn't going to go through with Sony that... Um, First of all, he, he emailed Bob Iger, sent him a sad email. Bob Iger said, okay, here's, here's my phone number. Call me. So a few days go by, um, and uh, Spidey, Tom Holland, uh, didn't eat much that day. Went to the pub with some friends, downed five beers in quick succession, <laughs> and started crying and phoned Bob Iger, president, <laughs> chairman and president of Disney. For the first time, and basically bawled his eyes out about why the world needs Spider-Man and why Disney needs to have Spider-Man in the MCU. And 
apparently that helped Bob Iger get involved and tell the people, okay, we've actually got it. We've really got to deal with Sony and get a better deal. <laughs> so I just thought I did that was, hear that. Yeah, that's pretty fucking funny. That is that is a very interesting <laughs> thing. You just have Tom Holland who's like, you know, 22 going on 12. Yeah. Phoning like the the chairman of the mega corporation. Yeah. But Bob Iger and, you know, I respect him a lot as far as a business guy. Like he's like – He's more than tripled their revenue in a few years. And people hate him a lot as far as, you know, do they actually, does Disney actually put out quality anymore and are they too big? But he seems like a pretty approachable guy and a pretty hands-on guy. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't such a scary thing that Tom needed to be drunk to have that phone call. Right, but yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Um, the second thing is, uh, it's just an annoyance I want to throw out there. So I've mentioned a few times that I'm into retro gaming, and a lot of that has to do with cartridges, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. And one of the things I've done is I bought my half-brothers now, I think he's 13, I bought him an N64 several years ago for myself to make it really easy to buy him birthday and Christmas presents. <laughs> I just have a list of games and buy him a game from eBay for everything. Yeah. But it's getting harder and harder to get him a real game because eBay is flooded and the internet is flooded with Chinese knockoffs of these games. And they're starting to kill the secondary market because you'll have listings for like virtually every game, even if it's super rare, like Worms Armageddon. And they'll have like 50 available for like $30. And it's... It's insulting on a couple levels because you know they're mass producing a cheap knockoff, but it's also still $30, which is pretty expensive. <laughs> and they're killing the secondary market because I have collected those. In fact, um, luckily I was able to recently sell the first of my um, games that I was hoarding for uh, investment. And it's, uh, it was Bomberman Second Attack for N64, very rare, highly regarded game. Um, and a guy in Canada did buy it for 175 bucks. So wow, that sweet. just just the cartridge, not case and box right. or anything like that. So that was good. But I worry that I the rest of my collection will collapse in value. I've checked everything. It's either the same, maintain the same, except for Worms Armageddon, which I'm sure in 30 years will be worth $50 million at the rate <laughs> it keeps going up for some reason. Wow. But uh, the rest of the games have just stayed the same. So... I'm just frustrating that frustrated that uh, that there's these knockoffs that are are killing the that secondary is super market. So are you thinking of selling more? To answer your question, yes, I am literally thinking of selling more because some of them I bought, you know, at like four hundred dollars. Like I bought some when they were when I thought they were going up and up and up. If that collapses to like $100 or less, yeah. then I'm screwed for That's forever. Like tough hit, yeah. And the main one that I'm watching is Clay Fighter 63 and a third Sculptor's Cut for N64. The, the, rarest, the rarest N64 game that you can really try to get your hands on. There was some weird version of like Turok Dinosaur Hunter Rage Wars where it had a bug that you couldn't complete two-player co-op. So if you mailed your cartridge to France, they would mail you a repaired cartridge back that was like gray instead of red um but anyways there's only like 20 they sent me it was like 160 of those were ever actually taken up on the mail-in offer it wasn't a popular game so it's really hard to get a hold of that they're almost never listed 
But Clay Fighter 63 in the third is is the rarest mainstream game you can get for it. And it's been hovering around the level that I bought it for. It's about 500 bucks right now. So mm. that one, I mean, I don't really play it with friends or whatnot. Um, so I may I may dump that one. Um, it's in really good condition, too, as far as they go. So Crazy. Yeah, that's it. what I've got for banter. Um, speaking of Tom Holland's situation, yes. did you hear uh, the John Boyega Rise of the Skywalker script story? Yes. <laughs> How he, he left, left the, the script, script under his bed. <laughs> and, and moved. And moved. <laughs> and... And it ended up on eBay. And it ended up on eBay. And I'm surprised that John doesn't seem to be facing any consequences for that. I oh, know he's a big star of the movie. Yeah, I wonder if they're if he's, you know, been told to downplay it or what kind of thing could they have in his there must be something in his contract to cover something like that, right? Like leaks or yeah. like I mean, how are they not essentially signing an NDA? That is a breach Th- of that an is, NDA. That is like the breach of an exactly. NDA in the movie exactly. industry. I think, it's, I think it may affect his career um, in regards to being part of big blockbusters. That's a big, big deal. Like, th- you just can't forget those kind of documents. You just can't put them under your bed and move. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I have my mom and stepdad's power of attorney right now, and that is not worth as much as a Star Wars script, but it's not going under my bed, and I'm not moving. <laughs> so, it's like, it's incredibly irresponsible on his part. I don't know how it happened. I know people make mistakes, but there's mistakes, and then there's that. Yeah. And I think he may find it difficult to get blockbuster work. That would be future. very, very interesting. So, because I had read uh, an article today saying, like, you know, it was like an interview with him, and it's like, like, ah, Abram was cool about it. He's just like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> and like, you know, he he said he he's, he was moving a ton during shooting, and then he at the, at the time it was forgotten, he was also shooting something else. Uh, you know, he gave a he says like, yeah, there's essentially life got in the way. Yeah, is was his real ex, his excuse. Um, but yeah. a lot of people were talking, you know, asking him like, "How did you even get the script? You took the script home when it was, you know, on uh, Force Awakens. Like it was a whole big thing with Abram saying no script leaves the set or you right. Know, all That's true. That's true. And he was like cracking jokes of like, well, I guess they decided that it was probably better if the actors could able were able to practice their lines outside of the set. Like he, you know, like cracking wise about it. <laughs> man that's yeah that's frustrating and i haven't looked for it but i wonder why like all the spoilers in the script haven't come out everywhere i know that's what you yeah just, you'd assume the person that was gonna sell it read it and it's yeah, like absolutely you know whatever well uh, uh, apparently it was found by um like a, a cleaning person or something okay uh i think that's what the article said so I don't really know what that means or what type of person found it. Uh, obviously savvy enough to try to sell it. Right, exactly. Um, because there's certainly nothing illegal about them doing so, right? No, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Maybe well, he or she didn't know what what they had in exactly their hands. Had. I, I, I don't know what the listing was for. I wonder what the li- – probably just up for auction, right? People to – Yeah, well, I heard there was a story. So I heard it was bought back, I believe, by someone – um attached to the the the, the movie. project yeah. yeah the project yeah, they got it back they got it back and they had to buy it back and i i would have uh 
I would have, you know, sent a little invoice to John Boyega's trailer. <laughs> that's, that's how yeah. I would have handled it. Just maybe a little they invoice. They, they must have. Surely they they probably paid this person maybe a couple grand. Like, yeah, There's exactly. no way they paid like $20,000 to get it back. Here you go. Little Mickey Mouse ears in the top right yeah. corner of the invoice. Love Bob Iger. I mean, if, <laughs> if, if you had some yeah. like sharp dressed, uh, you know, tailored suited Disney exec show up at your door saying, hey, we're going to buy this back from you. Are you going to be, you know, you're going to have the wherewithal to press them for an extra couple thousand bucks? I think you're just going to be like, yeah, okay, thanks. I'll take, you know, the 2000 bucks or whatever. Like, I'll, I I would try <laughs> to press them. But then from out of the shadows would have come like a seven foot tall goofy be like, you really want to do that? I'd be like, okay, no, here you go. Here you go. For you goof anything. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that's, listener, that's how Disney enforces contracts. Oh, gosh, you're so good. Man, oh, man. Instead of, instead of the Irishman, we have the goof man. <laughs> oh, I paint houses. Okay, we're getting uh, we're getting off here. Well, we're not getting off just yet, but uh, getting off topic. Getting off topic. Um, so let's roll into condescending controversy. This one ep- or this version of condescending controversy this time is called "Better Under the Tree," and I want there to be a disclaimer on this. So what we're going to do is debate. If you know, it was I uh, guess maybe around fifteen years ago maybe 17 years ago by this point, would you have wanted to wake up on Christmas morning with a GameCube or a PlayStation 2? Now, I have to say, as, as you said before you started recording, you're going to slay me like a dragon. Um, <laughs> all I'm fighting for here is a bit of respect for the GameCube because I know this is going to be an uphill battle, to put it lightly. And when we do condescend in controversy, listener, you can't always think that because I argue one point means... I hate the other point, or I completely disagree. In fact, as you've seen in the most recent condescending controversies, there's a lot of civility and agreements. <laughs> but I, as I will get into, I, I really like the PlayStation 2. I do prefer the GameCube, but this does not mean that I hate the PlayStation 2. I just want to fight for a little respect for GameCube. Well, and I, I will add on to your caveats to say that this does mean that I do not respect the GameCube. Nor oh, anything does. that Nintendo puts out. Okay, that I knew. Yeah. I guess I should have lumped GameCube <laughs> in with that because it's Nintendo. <laughs> but um, but yeah, let's let's get started. So I think because I'm essentially the prosecution in this case, trying to fight the unpopular opinion, um, I want to start. And the first point that I want to make is just how underrated the GameCube library is in that you know, a game system ultimately comes down to its library, to its games. And we had two very highly regarded Zelda games, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. We had Resident Evil 4 that was supposed to be an exclusive before Capcom renegotiated the deal very quickly. (laughs) But that is a hit generation-defining game. There was Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem, and why I bring that up besides it winning tons of awards is that it is a third-party mature horror game, which people say, oh, Nintendo can never have those, but it's right there. We had Rogue Squadron 2 and 3, with Rogue Squadron 2 being a launch title, regarded as one of the better launch titles ever. We had Metroid Prime, which was 
one of the most popular games of that generation. It always appears on top tens. Uh, we even had the Resident Evil remake, which I know that's another Resident Evil game, but it had incredibly good graphics that still stand up and I think show what the system was capable of. So that's that's Exhibit A for the GameCube. Okay, well, we'll directly compare that to PS2 library, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, God of War 2 and or 1 and 2, uh, like four Jack and Daxter games, like four Ratchet and Clank games, Kingdom Hearts, Grand Theft Autos, Guitar Hero. I'm sorry, you, your lineup doesn't... Like, yes, it's, a, it's maybe a fancy lineup, but it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. When you compare it side by side, I'm afraid it does not add up. And all of those... I mean, yes, a lot of what you listed off are staples for Nintendo, but... I think also for the PS2, there's something to be said about innovation and more varied exclusives that I think Sony continues to push and and release, whereas Nintendo falls back on all their first party stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that to a degree. You know what I my counter argument to that would be I specifically brought up um, examples where I only went about halfway to what was first party. There's more I could have brought up, but a lot of this was outsourced. So, for example, Metroid Prime, yes, that's technically a Nintendo IP, but it was completely done by a third party, as was the entire trilogy for that. Uh, it turned into a trilogy, the Metroid Prime trilogy. And really, all they did is just license it. They just licensed the ability to use the character. The gameplay was nothing like any Metroid previously, which was a 2D side-scroller. So that's just an example of how things have changed. I, I do have to concede a lot to you. I think that there are more, in quantity, better PS2 games. And without question, PS2 cornered the mature, kind of adult, late teenager market. I, I can't, I can't yeah, debate that. That's true. I mean, I, I, I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't fault... The GameCube for that, though. I mean, that's Nintendo's brand. They're playing to their brand. They're playing to their strengths. That'd be stupid. To right. Think. And like you said, there is that mature content for older fans of the system. And in Sony's defense, I think Sony, quite frankly, would allow more mature content than Nintendo did at the time. Um, I think Nintendo softened on that a little bit, but they, they did not soften on that during the GameCube time period. Right. They, that was actually one of their most restrictive timeframes that in the Wii, right so yeah well I, 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 also i will say again this is for your point i thought i was going to kill you on this i mean a lot of the titles the great titles for the playstation 2 are also titles for the xbox yes. so there is a lot of overlap there where the only exclusion is the gamecube as far as these more mature titles so i don't know i guess that's i mean that's certainly a plus for nintendo i think nintendo probably overall have more exclusives outside of this yes. one-on-one competition that we've, <laughs> we've boat we've thrown here. So. Um, my second point, it, sorry, is that the, the end of your first point? Did you just go? I was just my rebuttal to okay. your, your library. Okay. If that's the rebuttal, what's your uh, first point? Oh, I mean, I, I have two, two words for you that really trumps every other point that you have is backwards compatibility. Yeah, I, I, when I think about these, <laughs> when I think about these things, I think potential rebuttals that sure. you could have. Yeah. In the past, you have not brought up 
some a lot of these that I've had and I've kept them silent until after we've recorded. This one was like number A1 that I had written down. Yeah. So shit. I, I th- I, yes. It's just, it's such a big thing. And yes. a lot of the reason why the PlayStation 3 failed, because only some of the early models of the PS3 had backwards, limited backwards compatibility yes. with the PlayStation 2. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I uh, have a YouTube video. I haven't completed it, but it's on why the PS3 failed. And I thought that was interesting to have a YouTube video on that. But backwards compatibility was brought up and how actually there was a point where I bought you a game. I believe it might have been Silent Hill Origins thinking that your yeah. PS3 was backwards compatible, but it wasn't. And it did, yeah, turned out not to be. Um, and And to be frank, like I can't be a hypocrite. So my story with PS2 starts with Leland actually giving me his big boy, as he called it. He had a PS Slim. <laughs> right, right. And it was one of the most memorable gifts I ever got. So I thank you. You also gave me a plastic bag. You pointed me at your game shelf and said, start picking yeah, games. Yeah, load up. Fill, fill the bag. So I did. And, but, and I picked interesting games that I had heard of. But at that point, I hadn't played any. So Leland let, gave me Big Boy, but Big Boy didn't work too well. He was on his very last he legs. Was, yeah. And that's uh, that's a, another point I'm going to bring up in a moment. But uh, Big Boy had the uh, infamous disc reading error issues. But what made me, from listener Dan, buy his Big Boy that worked fine at the time uh, was my desire to play some PlayStation 1 games that I'd played at my ah, friend, yeah, Listener yeah. Ben, who is an actual listener of the show. Listener Ben had, uh, at his house, I'd played some good PS1 games. And so now I had a P- bunch of PS2 games from you, but I really want to play this PS1, these PS1 games, and the system was backwards compatible. Right. Yeah. So that gave me an option to play both. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Um, I mean... You could say it would be difficult to make the GameCube backwards compatible, but you could have put in a slot for N64 and I mean, come on, you you could have done it. Well, I just, I find it interesting just this range of, of cartridge for, for lack of a better term, for lack of an all, a more encompassing term that Nintendo seems to go through for their, their games. What is behind these, some of these choices? I uh, well, in general, the main choice for a cartridge is, uh, number one, it's it's much more difficult or was much more difficult to uh, pirate. pirate. Okay. It, that's only changed. In fact, it's interesting that I brought that up coincidentally in banter because that's only changed recently. Before, it's like if it was on a cartridge, you're buying an original cartridge. And Nintendo could actually, you know, s- control cartridges by like having little chips so that bootleg cartridges wouldn't turn on because nintendo hasn't supplied a chip that only they make uh durability was a big one too because a cartridge is much more durable than a cd or dvd based game uh which isn't so much a concern for teenagers and adults who know to treat them well but if you're a kid chucking them around the playroom uh durability was a key because nintendo was more kid focused to to have cartridges right but they were limiting in FMV video and the amount of content you could put on them, which is why, you know, companies like Square ended up going partially. One of the reasons is why they went to PlayStation. Right. Now, that said, I don't want to get too far on a, on a rabbit hole there. But the N64, starting the N64, it actually had an unused um, functionality called stop and swap where you could actually swap multiple cartridges. So you could do those bigger games. Problem is cartridges are way more expensive than CDs, and nobody wanted to sell a hundred and thirty dollar game. Right, it had multiple cartridges. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. 
Um, but no, that's a great point, and and I knew I would have to just fully concede that one <laughs> if you brought it up. I was just hoping you didn't. Uh, my next point is in regards to the controller. Um, I don't know if you've ever come across this, but GameCube is considered having one of the best, if the best, controllers ever made. Um, some websites that uh, will say that, GameSkinny, Resetera, GameSpot, The Verge, Cora. It's all listed as the best, or at least in the top 10 best controllers of all time. There are PlayStation controllers on those lists. There is not the PlayStation 2 controller on any of those lists. Why is the controller so highly rated? They say that it's extremely ergonomic, that its precision is excellent, especially for platforming and fighting games. And people just think it fits well, dual analog, but like good dual analog, unlike the N64 where that little piece of shit stick broke left, right, and center. I know my GameCube controllers, they still work right as rain since the first day I got them. Um, and I, I do use them a lot. So again, I don't know if you'd come across that, but it, it is a major selling point. For yeah, GameCube. no, I, I have uh, seen that and I don't know. Sure. Okay. <laughs> There's your point. So it's a uh, minor point in your mind. It's I, I almost well, negligible. I yeah. I don't know. I think it's like fans of Sony are fans of DualShock, and that was another thing when the PS3 first launched. It didn't have DualShock. They had to re-up their patent or, or whatever to be able to use it. So th- I think that's that. I, DualShock's a core of Sony consoles. I think as well. I have a broken DualShock. It, it still shocks, but the, the shocker is broken loose inside the controller. So my shock is very unpredictable. When you play like scary games, it's legit scary because you never know what you're going to feel. But anyways, that what, what's your uh, what's your next point? Uh, longevity. You could argue that plays into the backwards compatibility, but the PlayStation 2 was produced as long as uh, up until 2013. Yeah. And games were still being created solely for the PlayStation 2 up until the same time. To put that into perspective, PlayStation 3 launched in 06. That is a lot that is a long of time. additional production. <laughs> yeah, to have that overlap, that's, yeah, that's that crazy. is pretty crazy. And I suppose you could rebut uh, that that is a result of the poor sales of the PlayStation 3. And a lot of companies may be capitalizing on the popularity of the previous generation. But still, I mean, the GameCube would discontinue in 07. Yeah, that, I can't make that argument because that would be a straw man argument. It basically, hmm. the, it doesn't change the fact that the PS2 is that popular for that long. Right. So, no, I have to concede that because you're right. I did, I did actually look that up. And when the GameCube basically died, which was 2007, was when it died out, it didn't have a long run. I mean, it was, I believe it was launched 2001. So you're talking like a six year run and then a pretty hard done. Now, this isn't a point that I was going to make, um, and, and it's not a, a point, but only recently has there become a big, uh, like retro market for GameCube for the longest time, for like 10 years after it died out. Nobody really gave a shit, and 20 bucks here could get you a case and box of almost any, uh, any GameCube game. So yeah, no that that's a good point. I can't I can't rebut against that. And you know what? That that retro. I mean, obviously this this conversation is less about Sony versus Nintendo as opposed. You know, we're looking at a specific yes. instance in these companies' right. long running history. But I would say this is the first generation that Nintendo's won the console war. 
I think the Switch alone has won them the console war, in my opinion. This generation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you plenty of factors, but just, yeah, the popularity of retro, game, retro gaming has certainly played into that a lot as well. Right. And I think Nintendo's incredibly smart with what they've done and the direction they went with the Switch in general. Oh, yeah, it was it was an absolute genius move, a very innovative move. It really was. Uh, I would argue a required move because of how terrible the Wii U was, which will go down in history as their worst system. <laughs> yeah, made. they well, they definitely needed to make uh, more of a lateral move, I would say, as opposed, you know, obviously with with Microsoft and Sony, they 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 just move up in in you know uh, advanced tech and, and better grad all the you know all the regular bullshit that you that you think of when you think of a new generation obviously nintendo has never been able to compete that way and making this lateral movement was like you say it was it was genius like yeah. hands down so. next point i've got and you probably won't care about this but four controller slots on the gamecube for ps2's two controller slots and the point that I would make is that at the time, console-based internet gaming was at its birth at best. Like, yes. you yeah. could potentially have functionality for those games to be online, but very few had it over the, the both consoles' run, and it wasn't a big deal. But in local play, which still was popular at the time, GameCube, I think, has to take the win. No, I... Uh... I agree with that, especially considering the amount of time, uh, the amount of multiplayer time that I spent on the PlayStation Two. Like, yeah, we had we had a we had a multi tap, so yeah. we could ha- so we could have four control. Yeah, that's definitely point for for GameCube. I mean, that, I think that was another just another instance of better foresight right. than a lot of other companies. Mind right. you, though, the Xbox also had four. They did. Yes, they they did. They did. And I did know that when I was doing my research, but then I I smirked at myself because I'm like PS2 versus GameCube. Exactly. Exactly. I can bring that up (laughs) Xbox versus GameCube. Nope. That's a good point. That's a good point. I certainly can see that one. Next point for you. Well, uh, next, the kind of the one of the last things I had on here is just what I don't know what this fall. I don't know if this falls under innovation and almost trend setting, but the PlayStation had a little something called the eye toy. Mm. And it was a color webcam with voice and motion tracking. And, you know, it came with its own little little uh, mini games. And I remember, because I, I had this, and it was crazy fun at the time. Very new to me at the time. But I don't know. I think it was, there's some overlap of when the Wii's functionality was in production and this eye toy released is, you know, the iToy dropped in 03, I believe it was. And, you know, the 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 brain thinks of, of the Wii's motion control stuff started in like 2001, I think I had read. Um, but it didn't work until 05. So I, I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, you there's certainly different technologies, but I think there's a lot of the same implementations with it. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of a point on on innovation because yeah yeah more than anything i mean the gamecube with the short lifespan that it had it didn't like the system really didn't innovate as it went through and what i mean by that is okay you look at something like the super nintendo with the oh what is that technology they had i I usually remember the name but they put it in star fox was also in donkey kong country like those games 
are so much better looking and running than the games that the Super Nintendo started with. Like, they were able to push every last drop of juice out of that system. Whereas the GameCube, due to the short run, due to not being super popular at the time, it kind of was what it was at the very beginning. Yeah. And (laughs) and so, you know, yeah, I'll concede a a minor point to you on innovation there. Because like you said, you know, how the iToy did predate the Wii. And technically, and yeah. technically, <laughs> and it was the motion controls that exploded through the Wii. That was like, holy yeah, shit, this yeah, thing yeah. is going to sell tons of copies. And yeah, be everywhere. I don't think like I mean, obviously, Sony did nothing with it though, because I don't think the iToy was very successful no. for them. No, I mean, it was of course the this basic technology, but I mean, I I think in the same year that it dropped at E3, Nintendo. Uh, their controller wasn't working, so all they did was show off the console itself with uh, no controller, because uh, because it because they didn't want to show this this non-functioning. <laughs> they want to pull an Elon Musk breaking the window yeah, on a Tesla Cybertruck. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So minor point there. My last real point that I have, I've got a joke point. The, I'll okay. say the, jo- the joke point was going to be it has a handle, Leland. A oh, handle, such boy. innovation. Boy, oh boy, the, the little purple box. But no, the last one I've got. Now this one is admittedly subjective. This one does not have to do with game quality or anything like that. As someone who has multiple consoles and plays them regularly, the load times on the PS2 are a deal for me. They yeah. are they are a constant annoyance. And yes, I'm technically a Nintendo guy. Switch, no lead times. Uh, GameCube, more specifically, no lead times through its disc-based system. It's an area I think technically you have to give to GameCube. Do you care? I don't know, but I care. I I know. I think it is. It's very important. Uh, and you know that the epitome of your argument is summed up when we were doing our reathons. Like it, we literally I have that had, note. We literally yes. had the GameCube side by side with the PlayStation Two, and the GameCube's load times for Resident Evil Four were significantly uh, shorter than the the PlayStation Two. It like and it, it graded on you. It graded on it's, you. It's it, oh, and nobody likes waiting for load time. No, especially when it's a competition and you're oh yes, and, and that yeah, of course. Now, of course, that you know when you're playing by yourself and you're in a bubble. I don't. I don't know why. Why? Why was the load time so much worse on PlayStation Two? So, because, well, I think the the RE4 version on the GameCube looks better than the PlayStation Two version as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. With that game. So are the games just not the games that could utilize the graphical power of the GameCube just not getting created? I don't understand then because clearly there's some type of technical capability that the GameCube has up on the PlayStation Two. Yeah. I, I actually don't have an answer to that. I play a lot of kind of art. I use a lot of RPGs and stuff like that. I play a lot of RPGs and strategic kind of like tactical games on my PS2. And the lead times are are prohibitive. Even I think like the survival horror games that I play, like you're spooked out and then you enter a doorway. And it's like door, slow, slow, door creaks open. Yeah. Then you can enter oh, and yeah. it, it breaks the tension. Right. Yeah, for me it was a, a big deal, and I just wondered if if that no, was a I, point. No, I definitely see. agree. Yeah. Uh, do you have a final point, or 
Uh, no, I mean, just backwards compatibility is just huge. It, it is. Like, for me, uh, I don't know. No, I, look, this this is this is me as Braveheart knowing that I'm going to be <laughs> captured and drawn and quartered with this. But I think I was reasonably successful. I think that I brought up a few points to you that maybe you hadn't thought of about the GameCube. And I don't expect you to ever respect Nintendo or the GameCube, so I won't ask that. But instead, even though I do concede the PlayStation 2 was the system that that was longer, that had better games in quantity, that was backwards compatible, which is super important, I, I have to give PS2 the edge here. But I hope you can respect GameCube, listener, in this market now where it's becoming more higher value than it was when it came out. I, I will say that since I started playing video games, I've been a Sony fanboy. And that is obviously where my biases lay. Had I first received, or had my main gaming console been Nintendo, uh, yeah, I could easily have been on your side of GameCube. But it's very clear that you being the type of gamer that you are, the a more mature gamer, still enjoying these consoles, there still is the, 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 the game's library and the accessibility for for a more mature audience just because you're dealing with a predominantly kid-friendly company of Nintendo. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think you you held up well, buddy. Okay, but, uh, thank you. My armor buckled. <laughs> I eventually <laughs> fell, but not without a war cry. I don't know, man. Just, we got Guitar Hero. How much fun did we have with Guitar Hero and its predecessors in the rock band? Well, yeah, rock band. I mean, I had my own rock band. Well, too, yes, of course. But without Guitar Hero... Rock band was no that is, that is true, and we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, um, yeah. As you would play an expert, and I can barely do either. <laughs> yeah, dun, 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 dun. Anyways, well, I think the true winner, growing up, would be a child that had both sitting under their tree. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And now, I, I, and I still do feel a winner now in my mid thirties, having both stacked on top of each other. Well, look, I will say that that uh, was not as much of a blowout as I was assuming it was going to be no and the one point i actually should have made but i didn't i i have started having discrete errors more and more with uh with my second ps2 um if it goes i guess i'll have to buy a third i hope they rectified that with like maybe the ps slim or one of the later versions they did with the slim yes okay yeah they they I'll did at least recognize it yeah if you get your hands on a slim those things work like a son of a bitch okay yeah, awesome like a hot damn yeah, because, uh, yeah, uh, my my big boy's going, and um, that's a small issue. But, uh, yeah, my GameCube, I actually do own a, a backup GameCube because I like it so much. Uh, it's in the closet. Um, but I've never had a technical issue with it. So. That's, yeah, no, that's definitely a plus for sure. Because <laughs> that stupid big boy, we had repaired like half a dozen times. How Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, like quite a lot. Well, you, could, you could take it to uh, the Sony store in... Um, Coquitlam or whatever okay. off the Mary Hill, and for a hundred bucks at the time, they would give you. I guess they would replace the the disc, the laser, the reader, or I don't know what they did. But yeah, we had we had it repaired a lot. It was well, then, very okay. So they even repaired it four times. It's four hundred dollars. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so eventually we just got at one Christmas we got a slim under the tree because <laughs> because it's not going to repair that lemon it's, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's an interesting anecdote. I wonder if, some of, if, if a lot of people have similar stories or if we just did get a lemon. 
You know what, listener? Maybe have some fucking engagement on our Facebook page for once and <laughs> send us a, a message or a post or something if you had issues with your uh, your PS2 big boy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what you did about that. So, no. Well done, buddy. That was very... Good we did duel. keep it civil. We did keep it yeah. civil. There was no Space Jam. No. <laughs> it was, he never go back to Space Jam. <laughs> Well, it's time for Video Game Variety Show. We've caught them all too many damn times. Holy shit, yes. You know, I had... It was about a week and a half ago that I, you know, scrolling through my Twitter feed, and I had the violent thought, and I screamed to myself, I am so fucking tired of seeing Baby Yoda and fucking Pokemon in my goddamn Twitter feed. Pokemon is like... It's like the biological disease that can't be eradicated because <laughs> it's like oh whew, the 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 pokemon go th- like craze is, is over it's over oh fuck sword and shield are being made and then they <laughs> yeah. sell a ton they look like shit i haven't played them yet but i've i've you know listened watched a lot of reviews on youtube and whatnot they're like yeah it's okay but it railroads you around and it's got this like super cutesy anime look and i mean yeah it's pokemon but it's like Come on. I don't know. I made this segment because I'm sick of Pokemon now and I want to find out why I'm sick of it. Because I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah, I loved too. it when I was a young adult. Right. I, I would play red and blue connected to my uh, my N64 via the transfer pack uh, that came with Pokemon Stadium, which I also enjoyed. So let me take this to the beginning, Leland. Did you ever play Game Boy-based Pokemon? Yes. You did? Uh, yeah. I believe the the only version I've ever played was uh, Red and Blue. Okay. Yeah. I think I had Red. Um, that was the last time I played a Pokemon game. Was it kind of a one and done, or did you really like those oh, games? Oh, no. I super liked it. Yeah. It's, they're, they're crazy enjoyable, especially as a young kid. How can totally. you not like these pocket monsters? No. It, it, well, because it had this really unique RPG way where... You were not developing your own skills. You were just a kid the whole time. But you were able to influence and develop this like little army that fought for you. And I say little army because I think you could only have like six at a time. Yeah. But, you know, there were so many different types. You could get, I know, you you know, some were exclusive to each version of the game. But you right. could still get like one, 140 in each game. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I think one thing, th- there's a bunch of things that I've thought about that the early Pokemon games had over the the later games. Um, but one of them is the games are surprisingly non-linear. Pokemon Red and Blue and Yellow, after the first couple gyms, you're railroaded into those first two gyms. But after that, you actually can go completely off course and go to the other gyms out of order. Right. Which I did by accident a few times. Oh, yeah. Um, did you get hosed going to some of the other gyms? Like, do you, does the did the game scale difficulty? Or did you just like walk into some gyms and get your ass kicked? I got my ass kicked, but I it forced me to develop techniques to rapidly improve my Pokemon. So, for what I would do, for example, is say I bypass where I was supposed to go, went to the next area. Well, in the grass there, I'd be fighting super hard Pokemon. And maybe it would take like four of my own Pokemon to take down one strong Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. But 
what I would do is when the Pokemon was almost dead, I would swap it for another. Well, they all gain experience at the end of that battle. Right. And because the experience does scale. So because these Pokemon were fighting a Pokemon that was way stronger than they were, they would level up pretty damn quick. And so then you'd start getting a pretty strong army. You'd have to grind right. for, you know, 45 minutes or so, but they'd get there pretty quick. <laughs> so, funny. yeah. I don't think I ever, I never beat red or whatever version i had no way but i don't know yeah i, I definitely like them definitely liked them point that i thought of of why it's not really enjoyable right now the first pokemon like yeah they were you know cartoony characters or whatnot but they were at least connected to animals that we knew so like Drill was a bee Pokemon. Pikachu was a mouse. Right. And he looked like a mouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a, an electrical yellow mouse, but he was still a mouse. And I, like, Googled some of the modern Pokemon these days. They're wearing, like, glass spaceman masks and weird animals, like, disconnected from all mythology and, like, real animals. And I can't connect to that. Yeah, yeah, It's too abstract. There's an ice cream cone one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there is an ice cream <laughs> cone one. There's an ice cream cone Pokemon. That's the dumbest thing ever. That is the dumbest shit. You know, I don't know if they, like, hired Jackson Pollock's son to just start making Pokemon or something. <laughs> but it's, like, so abstract, and I can't connect with that. Do you know what the lore is to how more came about? No, I actually don't mm. because I never I had played and beat red, yellow, and blue, but yeah. for mainstream Pokemon I never actually beat after that. You know, if he was still alive, I'd ask Ghost Marty about it, because I know he's played some of the newer ones. Yeah. Um Maybe we can do a seance. Yeah, we need to do a seance and get that bastard back sometime, Sam. Yeah, because I, I would I would want to know. Now, do you do you have good memories outside of those original games with some of the, you know, auxiliary games? Some of the games outside of the main series. Did you ever play much of those? No. You didn't? No. Okay. I mean, I collected the cars. I watched the cartoon. That's the extent of it for me. Okay. Let's uh, let's connect on the cards and the cartoon because I, I did both. Did you enjoy the cartoon as a kid? Or yeah. Was it like, yeah. yeah. I thought it was really cool because it connected so much with the game i mean you were ash essentially and you know brock and misty were people that you actually fought that looked like that in your game and it was a lot of fun and i remember watching that oh i watched that so much almost like (laughs) every day as a kid well i think it uh i mean it was syndicated right so it was on like every I think it was on for two episodes back to back at like three o'clock yes that's right it was yeah Three o'clock. That's so right. That's bringing back good memories. (laughs) And Pokemon, the first movie as well. Now there's been so many movies. I always thought it was such a dumb title, but since they released like 20 movies, maybe it's good that you know which the first one is. I remember it was a pretty violent movie too. I remember Mewtwo just goes ape shit and you actually see him killing people. Like in explosions and stuff. There's no blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you do see them graphically die. Crazy. And I remember that was so cool. Yeah, I mean the Pokemon could take over the world if they wanted. I know. They just need to organize a little bit. Let's, you know what? Let's get the creators of Spartacus to do Pokekiss or something. <laughs> and like, have like Pikachu they lead could, this revolt. Yeah, they could enslave the human race if they wanted. They could. Why are they like living in those fucking balls? They shouldn't live in those no. balls. Charizard ball- does not want to live in oh, a little no, ball. Oh, no, no, no. Are those balls, like, is it a stasis? 
Or is it like I, a little like genie lamp? I don't know. I think it would be stasis because you see them turn into like light, like photons oh, as they go true. into the ball. And they come in out and in as injured as they left and that go. is true. Yeah, yeah. So it does seem to be a stasis thing. Yeah, so that's fucked up. maybe so, there is no animal cruelty. But then they, they could live forever in those balls though. They could. Yes. Wow. You could have an ancient Charizard that's I mean, like five hundred years old. How how have they not been like people with terminal illnesses and put in pokeballs until they can solve them it's the we, we just it's cryogenic freezing that is actually a great point wow that and is they're already sick and tired so of course they're gonna get caught by the pokeball there's no way they're breaking out of it <laughs> <laughs> you caught grandfather <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> level 50 <laughs> all right grandfather rage type pokemon yeah <laughs> grandfather lived uh, learned rocking chair <laughs> Grandfather is biding his time. <laughs> uh, I guess it would have to be like Grandpamon. <laughs> Grandpamon. That's so good. That sounds more like a Digimon, but Oh man. We could go we could go through oh you could get so dirty. You could go through so many <laughs> Okay, so it like this game is successful because it's a collectible video game. It's a right. collectible card game in a video game. Yeah, that's a great point. That's um, all it is. And it's I think, triggering those uh, uh, endorphins, endorphins or whatever. It, it is. It is. You you know, you walk around the uh, grass. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to find next. Right. Same as in the cards. You never know what you're going to open up. And damn, did I love those cards. I still do love those cards. I still have my binder and they are beautiful and they bring back memories. Every time I open them, I remember how I got each card. Really? Like the rares. Wow. The rares. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that was crazy. I remember the where we live. The do you remember the, the old? Oh, I turned into Sector Eight Four One Two Six. It used to be owned by an old man. That yeah. game store, and Down that, that nice old man. He would he would restrict each kid who bought Pokemon. He'd get a shipment like once every two weeks to two packs, so hmm. that multiple kids could enjoy Pokemon. And oh, I really cool. respected that. Yeah, yeah. I you I remember just remember scrounging for change to make up the like six fifty or whatever it was yeah. for a booster. Me too. Kind of. And man, there was like nothing more exciting than ripping through the booster. They had like they were so good. They were like shiny, yeah. vacuum sealed. Always had like a blast toys or something on them. And you're yep. like, yeah, this time I'm gonna get this blast toys. Oh, Dark Arbok. Wow, thank you. <laughs> So, um, no, man, that was so much fun. And at my school, it was like, I remember for a short period of time, it was like, oh, he's the kid with the nine tails. I, I was the kid with the Raichu. So it's like, you know, Moby, I want to talk to you about the, uh, the Raichu. Oh, okay, sir. You know, <laughs> sit, sit down. Make me an offer yeah, I can't review. <laughs> and I remember I traded my Raichu once for to the nine tails kid. I missed it like every night for two weeks oh, before man. I traded him. But then he missed his nine tails. And so we're like, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to trade back? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, uh, famous, like Pokemon famously got, got, is ban- got banned from schools because yeah. it was so popular with, with kids. It was. And it, it led just like any other humans to, to do some bad behavior, like cards were stolen. Yeah. I know multiple kids who had their cards stolen. Oh, I've stolen my fair share of Pokemon cards. Leland! And magic cards. Leland yeah. Steel. Yeah. Leland no. Steels, that's right. <laughs> Steels. Now I know where that last name came from. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, not proud of it, but I 
Oh, there was this one poor little kid. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. He must have been at least two or three years younger than us. And I guess we were like the what big kids. What did you kids. do to him? And I think this was with his magic cards in this particular instance. But there was one day that the kid's father came stomping around. And I guess we were pl- playing on the street. And he confronted us about stealing his his son's cards. My, he's like, my boy goes out with a stack this big and comes back and it's half as big. <laughs> like, like, and yes, we stole those cars. We were fucking little brats. <laughs> but we all, so we played street hockey uh, on that, that street that I lived on and we played with a bunch of adults. And basically this one guy came out and he like, he basically vouched for us saying like, no, these, these kids would never steal your son's cars. No, beautiful kids. They're in for church early oh, each Sunday. Boy. Man, oh man. So when this guy confronted you, did you lie to him? Like, did you be like, oh, I, I don't know what happened oh, to them. Yeah, must have. It's like, like, Leland, they're falling out of your sleep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because... Oh, no, not high. <laughs> so the, the crowd I ran with, one of the kids had a, had a, you know, a slatted wooden bench in his yard. And I would sit on the bench and he would distract the kid and I would just flick him off through the slats. On the bench. Oh. And they would fall on the ground. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not interested. But then where'd 20 cards go? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's rough. That's so, that's that's so, so bad. Rough. Like, I feel bad, actually. That poor little kid. He just wanted to have some fucking friends. <laughs> like, you know what? We have a bad pattern taking advantage of people <laughs> who just wanted a friend. Growing up, we, we were bad people. Ugh. There's a special place reserved in friend hell for yep. us, Leland. Yep. I'll be I'll be I'll be tortured with a thousand cuts of Pokemon cards when I go to hell. That's how what, that's what my hell torture will be. We'll have McDonald's wrappers stepped down our throats. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Alcohol. Okay, anyways. Uh, good flashbacks. Um I did want to bring up uh, Pokemon Snap for the N64. Okay, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Uh, that was such a fun game. I mean, for an auxiliary game. Listener, if you don't know, Pokemon Snap, um, it took you through about, I think, eight levels. It was a pretty short game. Um, but you'd have to take pictures of Pokemon. And the more centered they were, the better pose they had. Uh, you'd get more points for your pictures. Uh, you got things later, like apples and different like pester balls that made them do jigs and flutes and stuff like that so then that would give you a better shot because the pokemon might stand up or have a good pose and yeah and then in the final level all you're trying to do is actually get a picture of mew who is the rarest of all pokemons and mew is really hard to actually get a good picture of um so you got to be really precise and pestering the thing it was a lot of fun and uh we almost killed marty when he was still (laughs) alive at his stag by playing pokemon schnapps where i lined up like tons of sugary butterscotch and root beer schnapps and every time he'd play level and then we'd play level and every time our pictures beat his pictures for the same pokemon (laughs) he'd have to do these shots that's so gross I'm shuddering remembering. It is gross. Drinking that those that schnapps. I've never Ugh. drank in the schnapps since then. Ugh. There shall be no schnapps. No. So you have no interest in playing this Sword and Shield? I have no interest. I I did talk to Ghost Marty's wife, and I said if she ever played them or if Ghost Marty got bored in, in hell and came down <laughs> and uh 
played them if they would tip me off on whether or not they're actually decent games and then i might buy them they're certainly selling well holy yeah. crap they're selling amazing yeah so pokemon's not going anywhere interest i guess i just don't know how emotionally invested i would be and it's interesting because i always had pokemon red like i mentioned i play it through my n64 i actually just bought pokemon blue um, about a month ago, it came really? out on eBay. I haven't booted it up yet, but that's kind of where my mind's at for Pokemon. Interesting. Um, so you know, I think. Uh, I mean, again, another reason that I haven't played one of these games in forever is because after I had my little Game Boy Pocket, I didn't have a Game Boy or mm. Nintendo console of any kind after that. Right. So I literally didn't have access to them, and no wonder I never played them. Maybe I would be more crazed for them. Hmm. Do you have a theory of how Pokemon is still relevant and selling well? It's tough to really theorize uh, because because having not experienced them, right? I mean, the first right. thing that comes to my head is, well, they must be doing something innovative with each new game. There must be something they're changing that is appealing to new people. I I think that the basic premise of capturing all these little creatures and training them even if it's now gone downhill so that the Pokemon are abstract and are not as good as the Generation 1, that it railroads you more, that it has this super childish anime look, that still the core game mechanics are good enough that new kids who are ignorant of what it once was 23 years ago, <coughs> those new kids are still happy with this. Right. It's, it's, the, the core mechanics are still good enough. It's generational. It's generational. So another smart move, Nintendo's bowling, man. Yeah, I, I I think though if I had a Switch, I'd probably pick it up. You would, eh? For cheap. Oh, so you'd wait until a sale? Yeah. Okay. I certainly wouldn't pay. I mean, I assume it's going for full retail price. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right now. That seems bewildering to me. I don't know why. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a full. Like, I, I have to assume it's a full game, but like when I think of. I like I think oh I, I guess I'd pay thirty bucks for Pokemon Sword and Shield or right like right like you know sixty MSRP I, I don't know about that or what do are Switch games cheaper or are they sixty MSRP? Uh, no I think they're they're between sixty and seventy okay um and so yeah and I know it's like the original two where like you have to have both versions of the game to get them all like there's exclusive oh, between okay. each yeah yeah well. I used to have the connector cable so you could trade with the Game Boy. Switch nice. is already built to be able to do that. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's what's cool about Switch is it's uh, near field communication. Right. So that makes it nice nice and easy to do that. Yeah. Did you ever see the Ryan Reynolds movie? I haven't. Yeah, no. me neither. No. I, that is a movie that I will hunt out and want to see. I do want to see that. It, it does involve the Generation 1. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. want to hunt that movie out. So for sure, I was just wondering, you know, I guess listener, it go, this goes back to you. If you're in a Pokemon, why are you still into it? Did you have good memories and feel free to hit us up anytime and yeah. talk about it. You tired of seeing your social media flooded with shinies. Now they're shiny Pokemon now. Yeah. It's I, like a rarer Pokemon. That's cuts a fucking collectible card game. That's all that. That's what it, it is. is. It is. It's a digital collectible yeah. card game. Yeah. Yeah, I find it. I find it annoying. I found it annoying with Pokemon Go. I remember at work, I needed some plastic cut, and there's no shop guys. I found the closest <laughs> shop guy in a hedge, like a hundred meters away, on company time. 
He's like a Bulbasaur out here. I said, I don't fucking care. I have a customer come by for this rod in 10 minutes. Cut the rod. It's a kid who ran off two kilometers. But I, it was such a slack workplace at the time that the manager's like, well, I don't know. It's popular. It's a Bulbasaur. It's a Bulbasaur. It makes, makes my people happy. Uh, so you find her staff all over the industrial park hunting Pokemon. Oh, man. That's so funny. So Yeah, that was... That, that was people cr- insane. When that oh, happened. man. There were pictures because that one was for our generation, yeah. like Pokemon yeah. Go. So you'd have people that were once kids that are now adults driving cars and like having traffic jams in New York yeah. Central Park. Yeah, exactly. Getting trying to get out a of rare Pokemon. To catch a Charizard. You can watch these crazy videos of like cars. People are just turning into animals <laughs> over that <laughs> Yes, game. they're turning into Pokemons. <laughs> That would, that would be awesome if there's like, you know, it was all some super technological quantum powered thing and the Pokemon just winks and it's like, hi, and catches people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the plan well, was. Well, you know what I, I always much preferred was Digimon. Oh, I, I can't. What? No. I love Digimon. It was too complicated. The show sucked in comparison. No, there man. too many levels of evolution. No. It was cerebral. That's Noko Chuchi Chichi Mega Toromon, which yeah. is like the fifth evolution of this. That's so cool. You get more than one evolution. That was cool. Pokemon like they did could, it. They could have, they, some of them could combine for a ultra, um, ultra thing. You know what? If I wanted that, <laughs> i just watch Power Rangers again. Okay. See Megazord come. I, yeah, I watched a lot of Digimon. Yeah, I did, too. I did. I watched a lot of it, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't as good as as Pokemon for the anime or the cards. I never got into the Digimon cards. Well, the, I mean, I watched it primarily because it was part of uh, Fox Kids on Saturday morning. Hmm. That and uh, man, what was it called? It was like um, a luchador wrestling guy. Ah, I oh. wish I could remember the name of it. That was a hell of a show, too. Watched a lot of... Be- oh, and, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Beast Wars? Were you into Beast oh, Wars? Beast Wars I was loved into Beast Wars. Beast, Beast Wars, Wars Beasties. So yeah. I don't know. That was so good. The only the only Transformers action figures I ever had were Beast Wars. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh? So many Beast Wars. Ah, oh, so good. That was so man, good. Man, oh, man. The good old days. <laughs> the good-for-nothing days. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's really all I had on it. I just, in a way, I more just kind of wanted to rant on how annoyed I am where Pokemon is right now and touch on where it started. And you know what? I've, I've seen like a lot of people spend more time earning money so they can buy clothes for their characters than, <laughs> than anything else. Well, look, Pikachu, I got you the new dress. No, Yay. no clothes for them, their avatar. Oh. Not their Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> Wow, that shows you how out of touch I am with modern Pokemon. Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. Well, speaking of the good old days. Oh. <laughs> Our last segment, a bit of a hybrid segment. Approaching the big 5.0. 5.0, is that what you're going for? Uh, 5.0, I just want to be stylish with it. 5.0, because, you know, every episode we get an upgrade. We, we, <laughs> we do, and I don't know if we mentioned it this episode. We're on episode 49. Yeah, we did not call out the number 49. So next episode is the big 50. So we're just kind of going to do a, our own little it, retrospective. Yeah, and we, we've got some we plans. Liked. We've got some plans for episode 50. Oh, yeah. 50 will be probably another long ass one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure where that one's going. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes. You know, one thing 
we haven't done yet is really go behind the scenes on the podcast at all and kind of talk about you know what it was and some of our favorite moments and least favorite moments and things like that yeah and so that's kind of what i wanted to do here are you surprised that we're gonna make it to 50 plus bonuses or or did you think we'd make it this long Ah, uh, that's a good question i don't know because i i think you and i have always been pretty passionate about yes. doing it yes um and when marty died it was kind of a relief because he was stopped just bitching about having to do it all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny you think that's a joke listener it's kind of not and marty marty you know we love him and he's one of our best was one of our best friends but you know there was a there was a point where he needed to figure shit out and he was kind of in and out a couple times for it and if there was ever a point where the podcast was closest to dying it would be that and it, it was never that you and i didn't lose our passion but it was such an awkward time that we didn't really know what to do it was kind of a crisis for the show. Yeah. And Marty was our content developer. He was the guy that assembled the episodes. We'd come up with ideas. We have a Google Doc. And Marty would assemble those ideas and maybe come up with one or two new ones and pump out a show. Right. And so when he died, Leland and I had to decide, okay, well, who takes over what? Um, how are we going to do it? Everything was up in the air at that point. Like, do we keep segments the same way? Like, the, the show could have completely changed. Um, oh, yeah. It could have could it could have been very, very different. Um, but I think we enjoyed what we were doing. Yes. We enjoyed what we were doing. But what ended up coming out of that was two big changes for the show, um, which number one was guests, because now we didn't yeah. have three people. So right. guests were an experiment. But I would say as far as an experiment goes, I, I would give it like a B plus. Um, I've really liked our guests so far. We have guests that, well, we had Shannon, who's been on twice already. She'll right. come back in the new year. We have other guests that we're going to, I think we're going to be in contact for quite a while and are going to have, you know, second, third times. Uh, so that's cool. And, and we'll get some new ones. Yeah, I, I did enjoy bringing in some guests. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've definitely enjoyed... All of our guests. I don't think there really. I don't think there was one that was a dud. No. Um, and I've been surprised at how excellent some of the episodes did turn out. Not to not gonna obviously name names, but uh, just you know, T technical go, issues and stuff. Well, like yeah, that. technical issues, but I mean also just content-wise, um, some things that I don't know. I just I didn't maybe myself feel like I was that interested, in, but I think we did a good job of making it more interesting, and right. I became interested in it. Even as we were recording. And I think um, I think all of our guests have been... Uh, well, one, I, they've all really liked me. So that's a plus. <laughs> that is one of the biggest surprises of the show. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Shannon swears she's going to make an I Love Leland shirt. And she's going to dress <laughs> the fucking baby in it, too. Like, no, I do not need to see a baby named Marvel, named after Marvel, wearing an I Love Leland shirt. That's like overpowering <laughs> to geekdom. So I, Shannon, if you're listening, pleasantly don't do that, <laughs> but I know you will. So, oh, Shannon, yeah, that's great. I love you, Shannon. You're the best. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's definitely going to make that shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they have all loved you and um, we've got some great segments out of them. Yeah. I find with some of our guests, 
The only issue, because I want, you know, full disclosure, you know, listener, we're not here to hide or like pump ourselves up. I would say if we have an issue with our guests, it's that we always have one incredible segment with them and we have a segment with them that tends to be more average. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, I think at the very least, there's always a second segment that they are less engaged with uh, as guests. Right. And because we have three main talking points that we like to plug in and out of our episodes, I think that's something that's difficult to avoid. Right. While there is a lot of overlap between uh, movies, video games, and, and board games, which I think which was one of the main reasons that we wanted to do something like covering those topics right not to mention that the three respective hosts at the time each kind of you know quote-unquote specialized in one of those three areas you know it's tough uh there isn't overlap for all three right yeah or you know the two we maybe have planned for that episode there is an overlap and obviously we do our best you do your best as the new content creator to cater the talking the, the 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 segments and the talking points to the guest but it's a difficult thing to do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i certainly do appreciate all of the extra legwork you do for the guests i mean you will have your own your own like little interview process right and yes i do yeah and i think i think it it's paid off i mean again we've had stellar guests yes yes and it's something we're going to continue i have ideas for um some new guests uh i certainly know how to get some guests well, we'll leave that with me, and I, I'm hoping certainly for the January fifteenth uh, drop that I find another guest for that condescending controversy. Yeah, something new post post Marty's death. Yep. I I like where condescending controversy has come. We we joke about Space Jam because that was what it was originally intended to be it was <laughs> yeah. a violent like taking advantage of your random rage yeah. and our snippiness at each other. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it did work. <laughs> um, but it, we've kind of moved towards more of a discussion and common ground with the debate. Like I, I really like what we just did. Me too. That that is good. I think that covers most of the bases for both of those systems. And I yeah. so I like where condescending controversy is coming when we don't have guests well you know what's funny um uh i had a, a comment from uh, emily of the incredible party she's like she was listening to our freddy versus jason concert she's like it's really weird to listen to how civil you two are talking about mur- <laughs> like homicidal murder <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good i didn't even put two and two together with yeah that. i know me neither <laughs> Well, I, I agree that kill was, you know, the very, oh, very sharpened claws. <laughs> very sharpened. I, I agree. Yeah. The way he was sucked into that bed. Good volume on the blood there. Yeah. Bip, bip. Cheerio. <laughs> uh, well, and, and with the condescending controversy, um, supposed to be serving as kind of a shorter form segment. Yes. We moved to only having two of our three segments per episode. Yes, and I think that was a good decision. Oh, me too. Um, I think it was smart. And I mean, that decision had nothing to do with Marty. That was something that was brought up well during his tenure here. Right. But I I remember, I mean, we were trying to keep those three segments reasonable, and there really wasn't any way to do it. No, no, no. And and keep, I mean, we always have aimed for about an hour and a half-ish for our runtime, but. I mean, there's plenty of episodes that push to two, two, two and a some half, that some. Are two and, a half yeah. and that's before editing. And by the way, I want to say I appreciate the the job you do in editing. Leland does all the editing. 
I think you have phenomenally improved as yeah. we all have since the first episode. Definitely. Listener, if you want to laugh, simply go to the website, boot up episode one, because yeah. it is, it is crude. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like we flipped the switches on our mics at the time. We even had different mics at the time. They, yeah. They weren't we as good. Yeah. And it was kind of like, hey, we have a podcast, so it's July, it's warm. Yeah. Oh God, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. We, we, I mean, obviously we never should have released those. We, we, we recorded the first three episodes like back to back to back. I think. Right. Or was it the two? No, I think it was three I, because we're like, okay, if we drop three episodes all on the same day, that'll increase our, <laughs> increase the, the listener count like right off the bat. <laughs> so that was the plan. That was the plan. Oh man. <laughs> hey, that was like a marathon. That was a grind. Yeah. To our credit, I think we did quickly improve um, in the couple of months after. Yeah. Where we hit our stride, and I think we've all talked about this off the air, is um, Geek is Good. I think that- I was really just going to say, that still stands as my favorite episode. Yeah. And that was episode seven. That was episode seven. But for me, that was the bellwater moment of the show where I was like, I'm not only enjoying this- but I think we're putting out engaging content that anyone who actually comes across the show and is into geek style stuff that we discuss actually is probably going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's not going to be the world's best podcast, but I think it was going to be pretty good. Well, but, and you know, now that I think about it, it was the birth of the hybrid segment. It was the birth of right? the hybrid segment. Yeah. Because we didn't know what to do. Something we've come to really enjoy. I, 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 yes. I have for sure. Because I think it, Absolutely. it allows us to touch on more talking points than strictly in in the boxes we said of these three realms right. i think and we still do have the boxes and hybrid segment gives us the key to get out of them when we need yeah. to well and i think it takes some of those boxes and makes it more of a venn diagram because again it allows us to explore more of the right. overlap with with our three themes of the show yeah that was a good change uh i think in geek is good the uh art started to improve on my end oh, yeah <laughs> i looked at because i went through the thumbnails and basically the first few episodes just had a picture that i did some sort of digital grading alterization to it but is already made at that point i was starting to throw in more elements different text things like that so so that was a good point too mm-hmm. yeah i think geek is good is is really good i really did enjoy the marketing segment not just because it was mine marketing mayhem yeah. but because i i enjoyed the commercials and i enjoyed oh, like the little sound good. effects you put in for the commercial yeah those were really good so i forgot about those those are super fun those those were fun and uh yeah that that just that we each did you ever get a theme i episode? did not okay offer is open to you anytime you you get yeah. your theme episode yeah yeah absolutely. you just tell me you you plan it out in the imaginarium and and we'll go from there. Yeah, I guess we touched on the the death of Marty because that was a big moment. Um, but to, before that, I didn't answer my own question to start this off. I did see us get to episode 50, um, which really with bonuses, I mean, we passed that a while ago. Yeah, that's but, true. But we haven't done a bonus episode. in a long time. Not since Endgame, I think was our last yeah, bonus. Yeah, we've got to figure out one of those. We, did, we have to do one on... Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yes, yeah. we do. It's even, almost thank you for offering one. that, even though you hate <laughs> Star Wars. But I don't hate Star Wars. I just don't care about Star Wars. Care about- I will say I'm, I'm, semi excited. Like I, I enjoyed the trailers for Rise of the last trailer for Rise of Skywalker for mm. sure. So, and I'm, you you uh, don't have Disney Plus yet. You haven't seen Mandalorian. Right? No. Okay. No, no. 
Well, because we can discuss that at the time is, um, you know, maybe you'll get more excited about stars now. It's not just the damn Skywalkers anymore. They, they've expanding the yeah, world. Maybe. So maybe. who knows? Yeah, we should do that. I did. <laughs> I did want to bring up. Was, was it Evil Dead versus Ash season two? Like our ultimate fail bonus episode that yeah. had like. 12 listens or something it yeah, was yeah, yeah it was crazy now, is that all also kind of reflective of the show's waning popularity itself i mean it, it's now canceled it's now canceled did you ever see season three? i did watch season three it was very good it was very good <laughs> was, okay i gotta it was get a it. good season yeah, i gotta so. get it. there's some there's some good moments in season three there, there's some there's some hanging around the fan club oh type there's <laughs> I, I mean we're not gonna do a bonus episode no, at this point right so there's one <laughs> there's one part where he goes to, uh, or, or yeah, uh, uh, Bruce goes to the the sperm bank that he apparently is a regular at, at, donates to, <laughs> and has to has to fight a deadite in the the back room of the sperm deadite. <laughs> you can imagine what shit goes down there. <laughs> he's like he's in the little room jerking off with a magazine, and like the deadite, the woman in the magazine turns into a deadite and like reaches her hand for the magazine and like, starts attacking him. <laughs> It's the stupidest thing ever. That is so crazy. Oh, there's one. Oh god, there's one point where a deadite, she's got like vials of sperm, and she's shooting, throwing them at Bruce, and, and Bruce is like matrix dodging them, and they're sticking to the wall behind him. It's the stupidest <laughs> fucking thing ever. Oh, I love that. Oh. That's so over the top. Oh, it That's is. Awesome. It's uh, ridiculous. Um, the other main change we didn't mention is we went to once monthly. Yeah, and we never really got any feedback from listener on that. Now, I know some listener have told me that they listen to many podcasts and that ours simply goes into a backlog. So it just comes up when it comes up. Um, So that may be occurring. I like moving down to once a month, but I also do want to get more bonuses going as well. Um, I like the flexibility because a bonus is like, do we want to drop one or not? Right. Exactly. Um, being bound into two episodes a month, that was a little difficult. Yeah. And, and I mean, you have taken off as a podcaster. You've got the incorrigible party. And, right. uh, you know, that's going awesome. Yeah. And so that's, that's really cool. And, you know, in a way, I don't know if I need to thank you, but I will, which is that this, I'm still very passionate about this. And your passion has never waned for doing this, even with, the new success and kind of weekly podcast you've got now. Oh, you know, definitely not. No, no. I mean, I fucking love getting behind the mic. I love doing the editing of both shows. Um, it's something I have come to really, really enjoy. Mm. Like enough where it would be amazing to start pursuing some type of career opportunities. That's awesome. In, you know, audio engineering. Oh, that's cool. You have not actually expressed that to me yet, but I no. think that's awesome. Yeah, it's something I've been seriously mulling about. And okay. I okay. Well, I would encourage you to do that. hate my job, so... I know you do. <laughs> Who doesn't, I guess. But... Hey, you could take a solitaire break anytime you want. You're an at-home <laughs> engineer. True. That's true. So, no, I think you'd be great at that. And, and you have my full support to, to go into that. Just just don't forget about little old... Oh, movie. no. can only mean better things for the show. Awesome. I love it. Um, okay. There, I mean, there's other little anecdotes I want to bring up. Um, so some behind the scenes stuff. I don't know if listener would have noticed, 
But when we spoke about Factorio in one of our episodes and used the Factorio hashtag, we suddenly had a listener spike. Yes, and so we did. Leland smartly started using the Factorio hashtag to spam every episode. <laughs> well, that we came out with that. Really, only the episode I I made, for a few episodes after I made it a point to mention Factorio, so I could at least. Properly use the hashtag Factorio. I should start doing that again, though. We should. Uh, Factorio. I have. I Factorio, have. Factorio, Factorio. I have started playing Factorio again. There we go. I'm full on the train. Trains, baby. Trains, trains. trains, baby. Yeah, yeah. Efficiency, automation. Okay, do we have enough content to hashtag? <laughs> well, I I just spent three hours before recording trying to make a six lane to six lane belt balancer. For those of you that play Factorio and understand that, I don't understand how to make them. <laughs> And dozens of iterations I tried just did not work. Does that game still, like, the moment you put it on, you're like, fuck, this is addictive. Like, within yeah. moments? Yeah. I, I am getting way better. Okay. I'm definitely getting better. Yeah. I I have I didn't play it all during the week. I am reserving it to weekends. Mainly, though, because I've been working late at time because it's busy in the winter and I get right. home and I'm exhausted. To I can't think about Factorio <laughs> after working for 12 fucking hours. <laughs> you can't oh. do that. <laughs> No, Factorio just... is work. <laughs> it is labor. <laughs> it's blessed labor. No, oh, that's why you just throw on the PS4 with the limited ads. You're there you go. Just yeah. And YouTube. Yeah, the whole the very thing I was trying to avoid by getting rid of all my my sh- my shit, <laughs> my streaming shit. Some other highlights for me. I really enjoyed the bonus episode on Blade Runner. That was a fun night. So, listener, the three of us saw Blade Runner. We immediately drove from the movie theater to Leland's pretty late to, yeah. to do the episode. Um, but, I mean, I was really the big Blade Runner fan, and you two were kind of going along with me uh, to do it. So, I appreciated that to let me kind of discuss my passion. I thought that was a big, um, big, uh, well, I don't know. It was just a really enjoyable time for me, and I thought that episode came out well. You guys put in a lot of good content. Likewise, I think the second time we did that was Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. And in that case, that was a really cool episode because we all love that movie yeah, so much. Yeah, happened so rarely. It, it That did. we all really enjoyed something. And so it was basically a love fest for Ragnarok. Yeah, it was. Also noticeable, I will admit, is having the single worst art piece of any uh, art I've ever done. Oh, really? Podcast. Oh, I had to go back and look uh, at it. It was the only one that where I gave it to you. So if you like art, you... Always go LOL in capitals. If the art is average, I just get a scene mark on Facebook. <laughs> and if you hate the art, you usually make a comment, but that's very rare. But you did make a comment about that oh, one. <laughs> it was like a like a cutout, disembodied uh, Jeff Goldblum playing his keyboard. And then <laughs> there are like a few other things floating around. It looked like what, what a grade six student would make in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> Which wasn't far off. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> on the contrary, if listeners listen to all the episodes, it's well known which is your favorite art piece, which is you just loved the one I did that involved the Black Panther writing. About oh, the yeah. And Charter Forever Stone King Man. and the Charter Stone. So Man. good. Yeah. I that, really like Because that, that was your, I, I don't know, it might still be that was your laptop background yeah. for yeah. the longest time. It was before I switched machines, absolutely. So that was. Uh, yeah, you gave me a high def version of it, so I could make it my back. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and that that was really I really cool. like that one. Yeah, that one was super cool. That, I don't know, it was just like it fit so perfectly. I don't know. It fit. It was uh, like nothing was childish or amateur about it. 
um, which was good. So, yeah. Um, do you have any favorite moments you want to bring up? Little things here and there. Um, I I don't know. Geek and Good is just like that standout for me, like you said. I I honestly really love the Space Jam condescending controversy. It was because <laughs> it. Yeah, it got heated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we were at each other's yeah. throats. That it was really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I liked when we broke into song Gay Man. Do you oh yes, that, that was yeah. like organically <laughs> Gay Man. Oh, and then we just kept it going. He did. <laughs> that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I really liked the look of the web page. Um, I had people tell us that it looks really cool. Oh, There's a good. lot going on, but I think There's it really lot, yeah. gets the gets the message. Um, improvements as we move past episode 50 we've already spoken about doing a few more bonus episodes so yep. we'll do that um personally i want to do more writing content yeah me too i am probably out of my uh, uh i mean out of our patreon money um going to do the experiment with facebook boosts for our episode oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty cheap and you can draw in like you know, 10,000 local people for impressions. So hmm. we'll see if that helps get listener up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, whether we have five listener or whether we have a few hundred, uh, which it seems like we have currently, you know, we really do this for you, listener. This this is for you. We enjoy doing it. We hope you're entertained. And I think well, one thing that's a feather in our cap, like the guests that we've had have started to listen and they really enjoy it. So hearing oh, from the nice. guests that it's good. Oh, that's good. I like that. You know? Yeah, that's good. That's right. Braden, when you make it big, I I come to LA, five star hotel on your dime. I want to meet Eva Green. Just introduce (laughs) us. If she's not single, make her single. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how, Braden. I'm not gonna ask questions. (laughs) But uh yeah, look at looking forward. Any thoughts? Um I I'm just going to strive to improve uh on the technical side as i i usually do i i'm gonna i've been mulling over thoughts on kind of better better room acoustics and um creating some things for that as i mean i think our our, our quality is our quality is obviously one of the most improved oh things. yeah uh, oh yeah the show is like it's never sound as sounded as good as it has Right. No, you know, um, it's really good. Which, I mean, I suppose that's what a podcast should be <laughs> doing. Like, it's sh- your your latest episode should predominantly sound the best, like, right? But I think, like, we we've, we're in this era, and, and I think it's honestly since Marty left the show, has kind of been this new, um, higher production quality era for us. Yes, yes. And, and with that, like, I'm not going to say we're inauthentic, and I'm also not going to say that we're a professional. I would never say that, but... Certainly, I think you and I have gotten into a groove doing it. I mean, yeah. we're we're obviously friends outside of the show. That's right. how this started. But the show has become one of the major parts of our friendship. It that's, really has. Yeah, that's totally true. And even though you're authentically Leland and I'm Moby on the show, there there is kind of like show mode Moby and show mode Leland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I think maybe that's natural anytime you're presenting something. Yeah, I think so. But – I think it's also a reflection of just getting more confident and like easy going. Mm-hmm. Like I know we were nervous when we started it. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I I was nervous a bit, and and Ghost Marty was incredibly nervous um, for the first few episodes, which I actually didn't notice. 
But, no, uh, me neither, honestly. Um, but like being on mic is second nature for me now. Right. But you know what's really funny is in April. No, it was sorry, April. Jesus, where the hell's my head? November. Um, the Encouragement Party was on uh, the Game All Night Show. It's a YouTube channel. I did see that, and I was so nervous being on really? camera. I was so fucking nervous the whole time. I was shivering, and I had a fucking rock star right before too, so my heart was oh, pounding the whole time. Wow. I'm freezing and I'm sweating, and I'm like, don't know what to do with my hands, even though the camera's just on my head. <laughs> I was so nervous the whole oh, fucking wow. time. Ugh. Okay, well, t- to your credit, I did watch that segment, and I, I did not notice. Well, that's good to hear. I had heard that from other, some other people, too. Like my granny. <laughs> my stepmom who also watched it. Most thing I noticed was you had a big fucking smile on your face the whole time. And that's like, true. It's like, yeah. I felt like I was, like, good. doing weird things with my lips the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just fucking... I don't... Do not like being on camera. No, the camera's not, not for me. <laughs> you got a face for radio, baby. Yeah, baby. Face for radio. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, hey, you know what? Um, I hope nothing more that, you know, in a few years, we're a few years older, a few years wiser, and we're doing this for episode 100, which yeah. would be pretty awesome. Yeah. I'll have to think something be big cool. for that. I, you know, I think it's going to be cool when we're old, old to, if we want, boot up, like, what may be by that point, hundreds of hours of old content of us as young people oh, boy. talking about stuff we're passionate in. Yeah, we probably laugh about it, but... To have kind of that time capsule of ourselves is yeah, kind of cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, we, we, we've spoken about how uh, film is a version of, of immortality. But yeah. I mean, so is any other type of audio medium. Right. It is, it is interesting. And you know what? I on, Even in like a decade, I'd be interested to look back on and see maybe if some of our tastes on things yes. have changed. Or if... Um, you know, some of a, a, a wane or a wax in certain areas of our interests would be very interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I confess, to, uh, I think it was an episode ago that I, as far as the board game scene, I'm almost not in it. <laughs> like, right. I'm really diving into the RPG and the TTRPG scene. And I don't know, It's it makes me a little sad. But like, there's, I where's the time? Right. And from my end, I mean, I I do have more time than you do in life right now, but I have switched more from, oh my goodness, like I have to see this brand new movie the day it comes out, whether or not it's with you guys, to being more chilled out and letting movies kind of take a week or two to get the crowd away. Like, I don't have tickets for Rise of Skywalker. No. Um, So I don't know when I'll see it. Maybe I'll see it with you. Who knows? But Yeah, um, we should. I'll definitely. definitely, We should see it together. We can bonus it after. Yeah. Um, we should do that. I don't know when we would do that. But but actually, one thing you have gotten me more into, and this led into YouTube premium stuff, you got me into more watching retrospectives and analysis oh, yeah. and stuff like that for a variety of content, movies, video games, oh, cool. board games, things like that, card games. Um, So that's something that you've got me to change that I was not there when we started the, the podcast. Oh, that's super interesting. So oh, that's cool. Just like the content. So. Yeah, it'll evolve and we'll see where we go. But um, yeah, listener, you can expect a little bit more content. You can expect um, a continued improvement on the technical side, more guests, and more bonus episodes. So. Sweet. All right. End, end of show. show stuff. Here we go. Uh, speaking of, website ttpodcast.com. Uh, you can find our RSSS feed uh, on any of your podcasting apps of choice. 
uh, written content on the site as well. For what else? What else do we have? Oh yeah, we're Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter. I troll you on Twitter. Yeah, Leland underscore Steel. Very simple. And that's it. I've been Leland Steel. I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.